Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 199. We often feature cruise reviews from our listeners on this podcast, and this week, we're lucky enough to have a cruise review by the godmother of Harmony of the Seas. Brittany Affalter shares the story of how she became godmother to Harmony of the Seas, and shares with us a review of her recent seven-night cruise on board Harmony of the Seas. Here we go. There are many aspects of a Royal Caribbean ship that distinguish themselves from the rest of the fleet, but the honorary role of a ship's godmother is not only a maritime tradition, but it's also a part of Royal Caribbean steeped in history that has celebrated many notable women who have made contributions to society in a number of ways. Each new ship that enters Royal Caribbean's fleet gets a godmother, and for harmony of the seas, Royal Caribbean sought to recognize a mentor, educator, or teacher that has committed their life to the education of children in some way. After a long search among many amazing women, Royal Caribbean found its godmother for Harmony of the Seas in South Florida educator Brittany Affelter, and Brittany's work with Teach for America in Miami-Dade County has supported and inspired a number of high school, uh, high-need schools, rather, in Royal Caribbean's hometown. And I'm pleased to welcome onto the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast this week with me, Brittany Affelter. Brittany, thanks for taking some time to speak with me on, a, I know, a busy schedule of yours. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to speak with you. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, before we talk about Harmony of the Seas, let's tell us a little bit about yourself. Where did you grow up and what attracted you to get into teaching? Yeah, so I grew up in Minnesota, St. Paul, Minnesota. Um, and growing up, my teachers always played a huge role in my life. They really inspired me and made sure I had everything I needed. And they were the reason why I ended up going to college Um and getting essentially to where I am today. I, I really credit my teachers to where I am. And without them, I, I know I wouldn't have made the accomplishments I've been able to make so far. And just that, like growing up and having them impact me in the way that they did, inspired me to then get into the work of education so that I can also have an impact on kids and on the world of education. That's wonderful. I, I commend you. I mean, teachers are obviously a, a part of our society. They don't get nearly enough uh, praise and, and thanks and certainly pay also for everything yeah. that you guys do. Um, tell us a little bit about what, what is Teach for America and how does it work? Yeah, so Teach for America is a nonprofit organization that recruits, develops, and mobilizes leaders from across the nation to commit to working toward educational equity um, and this commitment is done through teaching in classrooms in high needs areas. And I specifically work with the Miami-Dade region. So we focus on the recruitment, development, and mobilization of these leaders here in Miami-Dade who are working across 32 different schools in Miami, um, all that are considered high needs, hard to staff. Um, and in my role, I coach and develop these teachers so that we can ensure that they are being the kind of leaders that we need in classrooms and really working to have to lead students to high achievement. What do you love about your job? I love that I get to work with so many inspiring educators um, and their students because the student aspect is probably my favorite. Um, I was a teacher. I taught elementary and my students still hold a very near and dear place in my heart. Um, but with this role, I get to increase my impact in the number of students that I am hopefully um, impacting in some way. And I get to do that through the work of these teacher leaders. And the cohort of teachers that I support are just amazing people. And as you mentioned earlier, they don't get recognized enough. And so in my role, I really 
aside from supporting them and develop them, developing them, I really just try to recognize them, appreciate them, and be there for them in the highs and lows that are often not shown. Um, teachers often do a really good job of ensuring that they show up for their students and make it appear as though they have everything together, that they are, um, that things are always going well. And in reality, there's a lot of work behind the scenes that teachers do to ensure that they are ready um, for our for our students. And so I just really enjoy that I'm part of this journey um, with them. That's wonderful, I got to say. And, and thank you for all, everything that you do. I mean, forget the whole Harmony of the Seas thing for a second. I mean, your daily work <laughs> is, is really... Uh, an inspiration, quite honestly, and, and I know that there's so many people who are benefiting directly and indirectly from your work. So to you and everyone else at Teach for America and, uh, and, and the other educators in the system who are obviously working every day to make it better, really, thank you for everything that you do. Well, thank you. I will make sure I spread that message along because I really do. Des- I think if anyone listening to this, if you know a teacher, and every- all of us do, go and thank them today. They deserve a, they deserve a huge thank you. <laughs> heck yeah, heck yeah. So prior to becoming Godmother, how much cruise experience did you have? None. I had never been on a cruise until <laughs> um, I became Godmother of Harmony of the Seas. So how did you hear about the Godmother contest? Talk to us about what compelled you to even get involved. Yeah, so actually one of my friends who I've worked alongside with through my teaching career and with Teach for America noticed it and saw that there, this contest was happening and really encouraged me to apply. And so... Like submit the submit the application and a nomination, so I did. Um, and honestly, I, I submitted everything, and then I got an email saying I was a finalist. And in my head, I was like, "Hmm, wonder if this is right." Like, I didn't <laughs> for a second. I didn't. I don't know what it was. I just didn't believe that it was actually true that I was a finalist. Um, and so then, you know, the process continued, and we suddenly got to the voting stage and the interviewing stage, and I got to make some really cool videos with Royal Caribbean and with my students and then found out that I was selected. And once again, when I got that phone call from Richard Fain, I, I think my first, my, the first thing I asked him was, are you sure? Like, are you sure that <laughs> you're asking me to be the godmother? He's like, yes, I, I don't, I don't joke about this. So yes, I'm, I'm sure. And I'm like, okay. Um, so I think it was just, yeah, that's, that's how it happened. And I am still sitting here wondering how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to us about uh, Richard Fain, who's Royal Caribbean's chairman and CEO. He's got such a great personality in terms of his sense of humor um, and just how he holds himself. I mean, I I know you've interacted with him on a number of occasions. Talk to us about uh, what it's like (laughs) talking with him. Yeah, I I admire Richard Fain and Michael Bailey so much. Um, I've gotten to interact with them throughout the process of becoming the godmother, and both of them are just so generous and really funny um, in their own unique ways. And I, I also got to interact with them recently a couple weeks ago with Royal Caribbean's Give Day, um, where I, I was participating alongside them as we beautified a couple schools here in Miami. Actually, one of the schools is one that I taught it and my students attend. So um, being able to spend time with them there again just reminded me of like how wonderful they are. They, they truly care about um, just doing, doing good in the community, which is something that I really appreciate. Absolutely, and Give Day is uh, kind of, I believe I know it's at least annual, if not more often, uh, celebration mm-hmm. that Royal Caribbean does among its employees, where they volunteer their time out of work to go and do something in the community. So, yeah, I saw some of the photos that you were posting, and I think Royal Caribbean shared some photos as well. This is a couple weeks ago, and it's uh, amazing work. So, yeah, it's, it really again shows not only the commitment that Royal Caribbean has to the community, but how it comes kind of full circle with everything that you're doing. 
Yes, uh, yeah, that was amazing. I actually, that give day occurred on the same day that I got back from my cruise on Harmony of the Seas. So I went straight from cruising to volunteering with them. And that was, that really was like a full circle thing. It was, it was interesting how that played out. <laughs> how awesome. So yeah. not surprisingly, and you mentioned that you just completed a sailing on Harmony this weeks <laughs> ago. Let's talk about your cruise experience. Was there something new to you that you tried on the sailing? So many things. Oh my goodness. Is there something new? I think everything seemed like it was new. <laughs> um, wow. I, yeah, I, I was zip lining. Um, Harmony of Seas has a zip line. I did that. I had never done that before. Um, on the island, so the cruise took us to Haiti, Jamaica, and Cozumel, and I got to do some really fun excursions, such as cliff jumping in Jamaica, something I never thought I would do or have the wow. nerve to do, but I did. <laughs> and so, oh, I swam with dolphins in Cozumel, and so that was another new thing. Um, and on board, just meeting so many new people and experiencing food I'd never eaten before. That was so delicious. And now I'm sitting here Googling recipes, trying to pretend I'm a harmony of the sea chef, which, which I am definitely not. I'll stick to education, but, um, yeah, there are so many new things that I tried. Yeah. In terms of the food, by the way, here's a secret, just book another cruise because I tried to do the same thing. I'm like, you know what? It's so much easier to just book another cruise and just keep on getting the food coming. What was, uh, which restaurants did you try on your last cruise? Um, so two of them that stand out to me were Chops Grill and mm-hmm. Wonderland. And so Ooh, those nice. are two that, yeah, that we tried and Chops was absolutely, I mean, both of them are absolutely delicious food and Wonderland though is such a unique experience that I think anyone who goes on board, um, needs to experience. It was, it was fun. It was unexpected and on top of that delicious food. So what more Heck can you yeah. ask for? <laughs> Heck yeah. Nice. So. Brittany, based on Twitter, I know you're really into music, so I have to imagine you only you enjoy a lot of the musical entertainment on board Harmony of the Seas as well. Um, you've got you know Greece, Columbus the Musical, Hideaway Heights. Those are just a couple that come to my mind as some obvious choices mm-hmm. that incorporate a lot of music. Talk to us about the entertainment on board that you love. What shows did you uh, do you really gravitate towards? I absolutely loved Greece. I actually ended up seeing it twice while I was on board because I just thought the cast did a phenomenal job. Um, I was singing along for the entire thing, my friend and I, and it was just, it was so well done that I think that was my favorite show, but all of the shows were, were really, were really great. But Greece, Greece had, Greece like struck me in a certain way because I saw it once and then I contacted Abe, the cruise director, and I was like, hey, can I see this again? <laughs> is that, is that Okay. Um, and the second time it was just as good, if not better than the first time. By the way, I don't know if those are listening at home paid attention to that. The godmother just picks up the phone and goes, yo, the cruise director, Hey, I want to see the show again. That's the power <laughs> of being the godmother right there. Right. He can't say no. <laughs> can't say no. Yeah. Sorry. I was going to ask you what, uh, being on board as the godmother, do you get recognized? Yes. Um, I, so the crew, a lot, I mean, a lot of the crew know who I am and recognize me and would often stop to ask me, they would either look at me and say, Oh my goodness, you're the godmother. Or they would first like stop and stare at me and then ask, what's your name? And they would say, Hey, Brittany. And they're like, Oh, as in the godmother. And I'm like, yes. And everyone was so kind. Like the crew, I think is one of my, one of my favorite parts about Harmony of the Seas has the best crew. Um, but there were a couple guests as well because it's, hard to miss there's this very large photo of me in guest services on harmony of the seas and so 
when I was in guest services at one point, I was standing in line and there was a lady in front of me who looked at this big photo of me from my from the godmother ceremony and looked back at me standing in line, looked at the photo, looked back at me and was like, is that you? And I was like, yes, that is me. Um, and so that was, that was pretty funny, but which is weird because I mean, in my, in my day to day life, I'm not, I'm not being recognized other than students, some kids calling, yelling out Miss A. Oh my goodness. And now it's, Oh my goodness. It's a godmother. And I'm like, Oh yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. So, <laughs> Uh, before I let you go, let's get some favorites from you on Harmony of the Seas. I just want to ask you some rapid-fire questions, and you just answer the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Okay, ready. First, or sorry, favorite drink on Harmony of the Seas. Oh, I, I drink so much wine. Wine. <laughs> wine? Do you have a, what, what kind of wine? Do you like red, white? Ooh, I like red. I like Malbec. Yes! Trumpeter Malbec <laughs> on Royal Caribbean is amazing. It's actually fairly mm-hmm. cheap. I like that one quite a bit. Yeah. Nice. Uh, if you could have dinner tonight on Harmony of the Seas, where are you going? Chops Grill. Nice. Oh, I forgot to ask you, what, what, you mentioned the steak. What cut of steak do you like the most at Chops? Um, I honestly don't think I could tell you. I think I, I told them to just bring me out whatever they recommended, and I didn't get the name of it, which was not smart on my end. But whatever it was, it was really delicious, right? It's yeah. steak. <laughs> it's steak. Uh, Central Park or Boardwalk? Mm, Central Park. Ooh, nice. What is, what is it about Central Park that does it for you? I just think it's so peaceful. Like you're on this cruise ship with thousands of people and then you walk through Central Park and you kind of forget that you're on a cruise ship with thousands of people and you feel like you're in a park and that's nice. <laughs> Absolutely. I love Central Park at night with the way they light it up and they play the music mm-hmm. in there. Oh, it's so nice. All right. Really last is. question. Last question for you. Best tip for someone who's brand new to Harmony of the Seas? Try to fit in as much as you possibly can. It can be overwhelming and it can seem like the days are going very fast. Um, but try and fit in as much as you can because Harmony of Seas has so much to offer. And I know that even in the in the time that I was on board, I didn't experience all I wanted to, which just means I get to go back on and experience it. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Well, Brittany Affelter, thank you so much for hanging out with us here on the Rokerman Blog Podcast and talking about your ship, Harmony of the Seas. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I love that you just called it my ship. <laughs> <laughs> As always, thank you for listening to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. I know that I love talking to Royal Caribbean every week with all of you, and I hope you're enjoying it too. And this is actually the part of the podcast where we bring you in here to talk Royal Caribbean virtually anyway. As always, I invite everybody to send me your emails about anything Royal Caribbean related by emailing matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Our first email this week is from Melina, who writes, Hello, Matt, 26 days out from Anthem of the Seas, and thought I heard something about there being a formal night now on Anthem. Is this true? Congrats on uh, upcoming episode 200. Should be by the time you get to this anyhow. <laughs> Thank you, Lena. And this is a great question, because there is formal nights. Actually, there's formal nights on every single Royal Caribbean cruise. This is a uh, kind of a change for Anthem of the Seas. I think you're kind of angling with this, Lena, because, of course, when Anthem of the Seas first debuted, there was this concept of dynamic dining. And if you listen to some older episodes of this podcast, certainly you'll hear me talk about that a lot. But in today's world, in 2017 and beyond, Anthem of the Seas now is just like every other ship in Royal Caribbean's fleet. There is uh, traditional dining, there is my time dining, and there are formal nights to it, which basically means 
on select nights of your cruise. And depending on how long your cruise is, you may have one or two or even more, quite honestly, formal nights. But uh, there will be designated nights. Each evening, each day actually, in your cruise compass, you will see a list of uh, events and everything. And also it will tell you what the upcoming dress code is for whether it's formal night, whether it's casual, whether it's smart casual, whether it's Caribbean <laughs> theme night. There's a lot of different themes that are going on there. And honestly, dress codes are a whole discussion that can we can spend literally, Lena, you know, we can spend hours talking about. So I'm going to give you the quick and dirty version of this. We have actually talked about dress codes in the past, and we have a wealth of dress code information at RoyalCreamBlog.com. So on Anthem of the Seas, I'm assuming you're going to be going on a seven or a nine night cruise. Although you may be going actually on a Bermuda cruise, which could be shorter, five nights. Anyway, the point is the second night of the cruise will always be at least one formal night. If you're on a seven night sailing, you'll have a second formal night, usually on day five or day six, never on day seven. And if you're on a nine night, probably the same thing. Day five or day six, you'll have a, a formal night there as well. Basically, what that means is the dress code in general only applies to the main dining room. It does not apply to anywhere else on the ship. If you want to go hang out on the Royal Esplanade, or you want to go to the Solarium, or you want to go to the Windjammer, there's no dress code that applies there other than the usual dress code that the ship has. You know, you got to wear clothes. <laughs> but there's the formal light distinction, the casual light distinction, that has no bearing on other venues of the ship. I should mention, of course, that especially restaurants like Chop's Grill or Sabor or Zumi have their own dress code which supersede the dress code that's in the main dining room. So even if it's formal night, you know, in the main dining room, if you're eating at Johnny Rockets, there's that doesn't apply. If you're eating at Chop's Grill, they have their own dress code, which, you know, goes all the time. So in terms of formal night, really what that just means is that you've got a, it's supposed to be a nicer, uh, nicer means of wearing clothes than you would on other nights of the cruise. It's kind of a relative term because casual nights is basically, you know, for men, you're wearing, you know, a nice pair of pants. I would, my, my grandmother would call them a nice pair of slacks, a collared shirt, and you're pretty much good. For formal night, you're basically going up one level from there, one step from there, right? So perhaps for men, you're wearing a tie. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're just wearing a jacket. Maybe you're wearing a, you know, maybe on casual night, you're wearing a polo, but here you're going to wear a, you know, a, a Oxford shirt, right? Here's the other secret to dress codes, which is that they're really not enforced. Short of you showing up in a tank top and baseball hat and, and swim shorts at the uh, at the main dining room, they're probably not going to say a whole lot to you. Royal Caribbean in general doesn't really enforce the rule. That's kind of a, a lesser known secret about the dress codes. That doesn't mean you shouldn't dress up or it's, I don't think it's nice to dress up. And again, there's a huge discussion about this, about what's appropriate, what's not appropriate, and what you should do and shouldn't do. I'm not going to get in there. I'm not touching that with a 10-foot pole. I will just tell you that there are formal nights. You are correct, Lena. And it's just a relative term for what you have to do. You don't have to go crazy. You don't need to, you know, you, men do not have to wear tuxedos. Women do not have to wear ball gowns. You can, and there will be some people who will, but you don't have to. It's completely up to you what you're comfortable with. And, you know, it, it's it's a dress suggestion is really the best way I can put it there. But to answer your question is strictly as I can. Yes, there will be a formal night. And again, if you're on that five-night anthem sailing, you'll have one. If you're on the seven-night sailing, you'll have two. If you're on the nine-night sailing, you'll have two as well. But it's a good question, Lee, and I'm glad you brought that up because I know a lot of folks who are new to Royal Caribbean or new to cruising may not know about that. We have our next email. It is from Ron Britt of Queens, New York. Hey, Matt, did you know that Izumi on Anthem of the Seas offers a sushi-making class for $30 per person with a 25% discount if you make dinner reservations? We only learned about it as we boarded the ship early and walked around the ship on our cruise out in New Jersey. We happened to walk by Izumi, and the manager, chef, and head waiter were pitching this to people walking by. Only one or max two classes are offered per cruise, with a max of 10 people per class. 
After completing all the necessary formals as per maritime health regulations, you were taught by the master chef after learning and making your sushi, you eat it for lunch worth every penny. And Ron, yeah, this is a really cool idea. They offer similar classes in Giovanni's Table, where you can make pasta. They offer a similar class in Sabor, where you can learn to make guacamole. But I've heard glowing reviews about the ones for Izumi. I've heard good things about all of them, but the one for Izumi is really, really cool. I haven't done it personally, and the only reason I haven't done it, I know you say, what, Matt, you love sushi. The only reason I have done it is I don't eat shellfish, and the, most of the sushi that you're making there involves shrimp and crab, and that's not my cup of tea. But I know people like you, Ron, constantly tell me how fun it is. Not only is it fun, there's a lot of food because as Ron mentioned, you get to eat it afterwards and there's a lot to enjoy. So if you enjoy sushi, I think this would be a fun opportunity, a fun classic. It's not that expensive and you get a chance to not only try your hand literally at making sushi, but you get a pretty, basically get a lunch out of it as well because you get to eat what you make, which is not a bad deal. So, uh, Rob, thank you for sharing the review of it. I'm so glad to hear that you enjoyed it as well. Next, we have an email from Jopi, uh, who writes, Matt, just want to inform you, my wife and I first ever cruise the Royal Caribbean was amazing. I'm actually very sad writing this email, as it reminds me that I'm not on the ship. Here's my review of the trip. It's long, and I understand if you don't read it on the show, but it's a good reference for you if you decide to go on Liberty soon. In terms of service, this was hands down the best treatment I've gotten anywhere. The staff was friendly, always smiling, and always ready to help. It helped about half half the crew was Filipino, so the crew was extra attentive to us because it's a familiar to them as if we speak the same language. If we're going on Liberty this season in the next few months, and these individuals are still there, I guarantee you'll have top-notch service. Um, in terms of excursions, awesome, awesome, awesome. My only complaint was we got to see Chichinitsa for 30 uh, minutes and five to six hours of our trip was spent driving tendering. However, I have no issues looking back. This was a marvel to see and definitely an experience. Stingray City in Grand Cayman was beautiful. Our tour guide was exceptional. He was so knowledgeable and informative. The view was to die for, and it got us craving to go home back. Lastly, Jamaica. Oh, man, this was my favorite place. Does River Falls was so much fun. I recently had surgery on my ankle, but I was able to climb up it with no problems. The community style of getting up the falls was refreshing and fun. After we did the VIP Bamboo Beach Club, you gots to go. Jerk chicken and lobster beachside with unlimited alcohol. Oh, man. For our stateroom, we had a balcony stateroom on deck eight forward. It was beautiful. It was roomier than I was anticipating. It was also relaxing getting some homework done in the balcony. Although I have to say the Voom package didn't impress me much, but I can't complain. After all, we were in the middle of the sea. Bed was soft, and it was the best sleep I ever had. Um... Entertainment, if you were if you were bored on the ship, it's your fault. So much to do, we still missed out. The shows were awesome. The comedy act, the aerial show, ice skating, and Saturday Night Fever was top-notch. Jeff, the cruise director, was hilarious. I could watch his morning show in a loop and not mind. Uh, in terms of food, I know this is the best part. I'm going to start with the best. Sabor, where has this been all my life? The guacamole spoke to me. The tuna crudo tacos I can eat for the rest of my life. The dessert plate, I don't deserve it. <laughs> We ate at Chops twice. It was okay. I don't think it was. I don't think the dry age options were worth it. Main dining room had the same quality Manhattan steak for free. We ate twice because we wanted to give it a second chance. Don't get me wrong; it was delicious, but it was just as compared to the land-based steakhouse that I'm used to. I think the price made it taste better than what it really was as well. Giovanni's was homey. It was comforting. It was uh, really good, and I wish they had a sixth dining pack so I could have had their egg carbonara again. <laughs> delicious. And disembarkation day flawless from the ship to the port. It was about 30 minutes. We took our own bags and we were out in no time. The experience was so amazing that I can't wait to go back. We're actually doing Jewel of the Seas next April. And joining you on the Royal Caribbean blog group cruise for Symphony of the Sea, this podcast prepared me for this trip. And the best believe you helped us get hooked to cruising. Cheers. 
That is so awesome to hear. Thank you for the review, and I love the detail that you included in there. And I've heard wonderful things about Liberty Dipsy Zone for many, many years, and I'm so glad to hear that you had a great time as well. I really hope that I get a chance to um, to check it out myself. All right, let's keep things rolling with our next email. It is from Kaylee, who writes, My name is Kaylee, and I'm from Windsor, Ontario, Canada. I'll be taking my first cruise ever in June on Harmony of the Seas. I found your blog and podcast while doing research, and I can't thank you enough for the amount of information you have provided. My partner teases me for how much information I'm trying to soak up before the trip, but I can't get enough. I have a few questions for you. I was looking at the onboard activities offered on Harmony and found the Escape the Rubicon. From the research I've done, I believe you mentioned on the podcast this was complimentary. I now see they're charging $8.99 to escape. Do you know if this is no longer complimentary and why? Uh-huh. Are there any other activities that were complimentary but are now or fee? Thank you again for all your hard work, and I hope to see you on board one day. Kaylee, thank you for the email. I'm so glad you're enjoying the podcast. So to answer your question, yes. Yes and yes. So originally, Escape the Rubicon, when it first debuted on Harmony Aziz, was uh, complimentary. Uh-huh. But somewhere around New Year's Eve, Christmas time, 2016, so right after I went on Harmony Aziz, literally, they changed it over to start charging, and there is a, a cost per person to enjoy that. Um, why they changed it, I, I don't know why they started charging it. I suspect there could be a lot of different reasons for it. But yes, it does cost money now. I still think it's worth it. Eight ninety nine is really inexpensive. And if you go do escape rooms on land, I suspect you're going to be paying a lot more than that. And it's a lot of fun. I mean, you're getting a solid hour out of it, and it's, it's a really engaging thing. And you've heard me talk about this quite a bit. Kaylee, perhaps you heard last week's episode in which we talked with uh, Nate Martin, who is the CEO of Puzzle Break, and he's the co-founder of it, and we talked all about what the escape room is and all that. I think you're going to enjoy it, and I think it's well worth nine bucks. I uh, I do know that a lot of people were kind of surprised to see that, maybe especially if you read early reviews of that, so I apologize for it not being clearer uh, in the time since, but I think you're going to have a great time on there. And you asked if there are any other activities that were complimentary but are now free. The two that come to my mind are not cruises that you're going to be going on. The reason is Quantum of the Seas. When Quantum of the Seas went from North America to Asia, where she is currently, they started charging for North Star and um, and Ripcord by iFly. But the reason they did that was mostly to curb the, uh, the the amount of people, the demand for it. There were so many people who wanted to book it. It was you know starting to get out of hand. Somewhat similarly, across all of Royal Caribbean's fleet in the last couple months, Royal Caribbean is now charging for room service that used to be complimentary, although there is a a, 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 comp, a continental breakfast option that is complimentary still for, ever, for all guests. If you're staying in a grand suite or above, room service remains complimentary. Uh, and they changed that for basically a similar reason, which is that there was a lot of demand for it. Frankly, there was a lot of waste in that people would order a lot of food and not necessarily eat it all because it was, you know, quote unquote free. And so they just, you know, whatever, we'll just order all of it. And so that resulted in two things. You know, obviously it took a long time to get food delivered. And the amount, the food they were offering anyway was not that great to begin with. So what Royal Caribbean has done is they've, they've instituted a new room service policy, much to some people's chagrin. Where basically they're charging $7.95 per order. So if you order a bagel or you order everything on the menu, it's the same price. It doesn't matter how many people. It's just per order. And there's a whole new refreshed menu, which has quite a number of cool options in there. I'll post a link in our show notes to the uh, to the new menu and some more information about the uh, what's available there. That's one other thing that came to my mind. In terms of entertainment, I really don't – I can't think of one. Maybe someone else can think of one that – jumps out as, a, as an obvious. I feel like I'm forgetting something, but um, wow bands were something that were like that. There's another one that I'm just thinking of now. Wow bands are those RFID bracelets. When you're on board Harmony of the Seas, Kaylee, you're going to, assuming you're not staying in a suite, because if you're in a suite, this is complimentary. But if you're not in a suite, you can go down to 
the guest services and purchase a WowBand. WowBand is an RFID bracelet. And basically, it's a more or less a replacement for your CPAS card. So rather than have to dig in your pocket or remember to you know carry it with you all the time, your CPAS card, you can use a WowBand. And it's a bracelet you put around your, your wrist. And it works very much the same way. I love them. Uh, and and there is a cost. And originally, when they were first brought out, um, this is back on Quantum of the Seas, they were complimentary for all guests. And then Roller Carbon started charging for them. They're about five bucks for each band. And the good news, though, is if you buy it on Harmony, and then you go on another Royal Caribbean ship that has WoW bands, like let's say Anthem of the Seas, you can bring your own WoW band from Harmony, exchange them, no, then there's no additional cost. So basically, you buy it once and it's yours forever, or at least until further notice, I should probably say. So it, those kind of things happen there. Again, it's an optional thing. I love the WoW bands. I, I, every time I go on a ship that has them, I definitely invest in them because I think they're well worth it. Some other folks may not feel the same way, but, you know, it's your cruise. It's up to you if you want to take advantage of it or not. Uh, and uh, But I love them quite a bit. So that's a good question, Kayleen. Thank you for sending in the email. Our next email is from Taryn from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Quick question for the show, and I apologize if, if you discussed this already. I'm still catching up on old episodes. It seems that NASA has a bad reputation among experienced cruisers, to the point that many don't get off the ship. What is the reason for this? Is it crime or a lack of interesting things to do, aggressive salespeople, or something else? I think we'll probably give it a try for the first time we visit, but I'd like to know what puts everyone off. Oh, man, Taryn, how much time do you have to talk about NASA? So... I'm going to give you both sides of the coin, to be fair. I'm not going to tell you one way or the other. It's up to you to make your own decision, okay? Let me give you the the negative side for it. The glass is half empty side. So I'm citing the U.S. Overseas Security Advisory Council, OSAC, which recently published its 2017 Crime and Safety Report regarding the Bahamas. And this is a rather long document that I'll post in the uh, in, in the show notes for this episode at realcreamblog.com. But the, essentially, as a, there's crime in, in Nassau, Bahamas. Not surprising. There's crime everywhere. There's crime in the United States, right? Um, but here's some things. In 2016, numerous incidents were reported that either involved tourists or occurred in well-known tourist locations. Crimes occurred near popular tourist areas adjacent to the cruise ship port in Prince George Wharf and the Cable Beach Resort areas as well as popular downtown area. Several armed robberies of U.S. citizens have occurred in daylight hours in heavily frequented tourist areas. There's a lot more than that. That's just like the 30-second version of it, right? And what you're reading is also, it's fair to say, that a lot of people that write that are people that have been to Nassau a number of times. Nassau is a very popular cruise port, and if you've been on enough cruises, you've probably been there more than once. It's just the proximity of the location to the United States, the fact that a lot of cruise ships make a, a stop there, means that odds are you're probably going to go there eventually. And like many cruise ports, if you've been there many times or more than once, you may have a very much a been there, done that mentality. And so a lot of people kind of just write it off because is it the most exotic or luxurious or uh, rich culturally place in the world? No. Uh, but I mean, you can make that argument pretty much on the entire Caribbean. Uh, it's just not as engaging as other ports that are out there, right? Everyone's got favorites. That's kind of the nature of everything, right? You say, ooh, I really liked Falmouth. I really liked Cozumel. I really liked Aruba. I'm not sure that Nassau makes the top 10 for some, for a lot of people. Some people will swear by it. Some people love Nassau, and, and they will say very nice things about it. I think that if you've never been to Nassau, you should absolutely go. And the reason why I say that is, but Matt, you just, saw, you just mentioned all this crime and all this other stuff that happens there. Of course, there's crime everywhere. There's crime in New York City, but I still visit New York City. There's crime... I don't feel like that should be that should stop you from going out of fear okay there's certain precautions you can take certainly and and you know researching what you're doing in advance having a plan not just meandering around although of course walking downtown i do that all the time right and you just heard me say about there were uh there were robberies and daylight hours in heavily frequented tourist areas i mean 
there's only so much things you have control over in life. You sit in your room on your cruise ship. I don't feel that's doing yourself a favor. You're just denying yourself a cultural experience. So my advice, honestly, if it were me and I'm doing this, I'm putting my money where my mouth is, Taryn, because we're returning to Nassau in July when we're on board Harmony of the Seas. We were just there when we were on Anthem of the Seas, but going back again, I'm getting off the ship. I don't know what we're doing, quite honestly, yet we haven't figured it out, but we're going to do something. We may just have brunch somewhere uh, in down in the general downtown vicinity, but I think that if you've never been there, you should absolutely go do. Research an excursion that looks of interest to you. Do that. Even book through Royal Caribbean, uh, you know, if, if it makes you feel better about it. But I think that, again... I, I really firmly believe that, especially if you've never been to the cruise port before, you should go and visit these places. Because, of course, part of the appeal of taking a cruise in the first place is you're visiting these wonderful places out there. And are there people that, are, you know, just because other people don't enjoy it doesn't mean you won't enjoy it, right? I mean, I, you know, one of the, I have, I have a good friend of mine who loves Cirque du Soleil, which is a circus uh, type show. It's hard to explain, but if you ever, if you know Cirque du Soleil, you know what I'm talking about. Anyway. The bottom line is, I have, like, no interest in seeing that at all. Like, it's just, like, it doesn't hold up. I, I can't begin to describe to you how uninteresting that is to me. But there's a lot of people that love doing that stuff, and this is true for everything in life. So my advice, Taryn, get out there. Try something. Be smart about how you travel, right? Don't don't go down weird things. Don't uh, make plans ahead of time. This is probably a good port to, to do that. And I think you're going to have a good time. Odds are, statistic, statistically speaking, I think you'll be fine. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I'm doing it. There are plenty of other people who will be doing that as well. And I think that if you travel smart, if you do your research in advance, I think you'll be okay there, Taryn. So it's a good question. I know a lot of folks uh, struggle with that as well. Whether you've been there before or you've never been there before, it's a, it's a, like I said, it's a concern. And I think that you're doing the right thing by doing the research ahead of time, knowing what to expect, and you'll be better for it. Next, we have an email from Amy who writes, I love listening to your podcast on my long commute. My husband and I went on Jewel the Season, Nargle Season for our honeymoon and had a great time. Now we're thinking that we'd like to take a Royal Caribbean cruise with our boys ages 4 and 8. I was wondering if you had a suggestion for whether a large cruise ship, such as those like the Oasis or Quantum Class ships, or a smaller ship would be better suited for children. As my older son loves adventure sports, so I know he'd love the rock climbing wall, the water slides, and the flow rider, but I'm not sure he's old enough or tall enough to enjoy. Are these activities restricted by age or by height? Perhaps you could have a podcast that focuses on the minimum requirements for each of the special activities on the ship, such as iFly, Zipline, North Star, and sports activities I mentioned above. Thanks again for all your wonderful work on the podcast. And again, Amy from Virginia. Amy, that's a great question. Great idea, actually. And I'm going to put this into focus for uh, for what you guys want. You did jewel the seas on your inaugural. So you kind of have an idea what a quote-unquote small ship looks like. Um, I brought my kids when I was on Jewel of the Seas with my oldest daughter, who was my only child at the time, when she was about two and a half. Uh, your, your kid's obviously older, four and eight, so they're definitely potty trained. They definitely can go in the pool, so there's less of an issue. You're not relying like, on the nursery, so we can take that whole part of the equation out of it. Uh, when you're talking about what what to do and what ships are best for kids, I will tell you that all the ships are great. Okay, You're going to have a wonderful time. There are pools. Kids are very easygoing. There's Adventure Ocean on all those ships. You're not going to have a problem with there. Personally, I like the bigger ships. And the reason why I like the bigger ships is just pers- because they ha- they offer more. They offer more variety of activities. The Adventure Ocean facilities on the newer ships are larger. The amount of activities, whether you're talking about the flow rider, whether you're talking about the rock climbing wall, uh, mini golf, uh, the zip line. These are activities that are only found or primarily found on the larger ships. There's there's more shows to do. There's more places to eat. I mean, it, it's really just 
the variety. And I like having, honestly, an overwhelming variety of things to do. And I think for kids, it depends on your kids. I don't know how outgoing your, your boys are. Some may not find Adventure Ocean that appealing, but I feel like, you know, the more stuff they have, the more, the newer the ships, the more they, that's offered to them, right? And that may be more of an incentive. Now, of course, you could say, well, you know, Matt, maybe I want to go on, you know, you went on Jewel the Seas, and I think you probably did a, I don't know where you sailed out of, but now that Jewel goes out of uh, San Juan, Puerto Rico, at least for the time being, and you can take a cruise that goes to, you know, a port intensive of a cruise, in which the ship you're visiting on isn't really that critical, right? Because you're visiting so many great places, and, you know, that'll be fine. So it really depends on your itinerary and what you're looking to do. If you were to go on a cruise that has a fair amount of sea days, three or four sea days, I'd probably sell you an old, a bigger ship is perhaps a better choice. I don't want to, I'm trying not, Amy, I'm trying really not to talk you out of one or the other. I think it's really up to you and your kids and what they're looking to do. I promise you, your kids will have a great time on a Jewel of the Seas or a Rhapsody of the Seas. By the same token, I think they'll have a, a great time on the, on the bigger ships as well. I think it's just a matter of what's convenient. You live in Virginia. Certainly, you've got a Grandeur of the Seas out of Baltimore. That's a smaller ship, but hey, it's right in your backyard, right? I mean, you, I would think you wouldn't have to fly for that one. That's not bad. You've also got Anthem of the Seas out of New Jersey. A bit of a drive, but theoretically, you shouldn't have to fly, right? And any chance you can avoid airfare and paying that cost, that's a huge savings to your family. But you may say, you know what, Matt? I want to. I don't mind flying. We're, we're independently wealthy. Uh, I like supporting the airline industry, whatever your rationale is. Certainly, going to Florida, you got a lot of great ships out there. So, yeah, I've got some good options there. I guess here's the thing. If it were me personally, Amy, I might lean towards the bigger ships, but I also try to avoid flying where I can, Amy, and I might go out of grandeur out of Baltimore because, again, it's in your backyard. It's a great ship, and I think your boys will have a great time in, in places like Bermuda or maybe going up to Canada in the fall. So there's some really good choices to have there. And I guess when people ask, you know, which are better for kids, which are not better for kids, they're all great. Truly, honestly, they're all great. I don't think you'll have a problem there at all. So um, thanks for the, uh, the email, Amy. Appreciate it. And our last question for today comes to us from Bert, who writes, First off, your podcast is a must for any Royal Caribbean cruiser. I stumbled upon it about a week ago with our cruise to Bermuda on Anthem. Approach you quickly. I've been listening nonstop. Quick question. We're going to be on alert. Uh, we, we, went, we were on alert, rather, in June 2014. And though we didn't use it all the time for our then 15-month-old girl, I heard in-room babysitting was available. Now with our two and four-year-olds, we were thinking we might use a service to steal away a few hours at night, but cannot find out if this is offering on Anthem. Have you heard of this being available on other ships other than Oasis-class ships? Wow, that's a great question. So, Bert, back in the day, back in my day, I was just talking about Jewel of the Seas, right? Uh, before the uh, rise of uh, adding nurseries to many, if not most, Royal Caribbean ships now, there was no option. So, interim babysitting was the only option you had for supervised childcare uh, if your kids were not old enough for Adventure Ocean. And I used it and when we were on Jewel of the Seas because at that time, there was no nursery. There is one now. And it worked out well. It was about $19 per hour. And the way it worked was you had to get on board the ship, go to guest services, and ask them, say, hey, can we get an interim babysitter? And what would happen is the crew would actually go out and try to find a attendant, somebody, a crew member who was willing to babysit. Kind of like when you're at home and it's like, uh, we want to go out for a date night. Who can watch our kids? Well, my parents aren't here. So you ask, you know, the teenager down the street or maybe a coworker, somebody you're familiar with who can... You know, if they're not during their free time, they can come and watch your kids for an hourly fee. Same basic concept there. And there's no guarantees. You may not find anybody, but we were able to get that, and that worked well for us. I will tell you, though, Bert, today, 
what you should do is actually take advantage of the nursery and or Adventure Ocean. Now, your four-year-old is old enough for Adventure Ocean, assuming, of course, your four-year-old is potty trained. I'm going to assume that they are. Uh, the two-year-old is not. So if the four-year-old can go to Adventure Ocean, there's no additional cost unless you stay past 10 o'clock. So, and even then, it's only about an $8 an hour charge. It's the best money you ever spent in your life. They can stay there until 2 a.m. The nursery for the two-year-old is an option for you. And the nursery works extremely, extremely well, Bert. I love, love the nursery. I will tell you this. The nursery is the best staff on anywhere in a Royal Caribbean The amount, the attention to detail, the care they take... It, it impresses me every single sailing, and I'm telling you that for what you're looking to do, steal away a couple hours at night. This is what my wife and I do every single cruise, and it's the best money we ever spent. It's going to be much cheaper than uh, the in-room babysitter. It's going to be much easier to go to, and there's a lot more choices for the kids because, of course, when your kids are in the nursery, there's movies playing, there are toys, there's other babies to play with, whereas they're in your room, well, it's a contained environment, and they only got whatever you have over there. So... I think it's a much better option for you, Bert. Now, could you go to guest services and ask about interim babysitting? Sure. I, I don't know that it's still offered because, of course, I haven't bothered asking ever since I got on a ship with a nursery. And I was like, OMG, this is the best thing ever. And I've never looked back. But, you know, to each their own, right? And you might find that to be a better. Maybe you know your kids. But I, if their kids are anything like my children, they will really, really love it. Uh, it's a really fun activity. It's, it's opportunity for the kids to also be social and, and play with other kids, which... Most kids enjoy doing that kind of a thing, and it gives you, most importantly, that opportunity to get away for a couple of hours, whether it's two hours, whether it's five hours, it doesn't really matter. It's just, they're having fun, you're having fun, it's win-win for everybody. It's a good question, Bert, and I'm so glad you brought that up there. So, uh, thank you for the email, thank you to everybody for the emails and for listening, and of course, if you want to email me with your role Caribbean questions or thoughts or comments, I would love, love, love to have them over here. You can send me an email, Matt. M-A-T-T at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Send in your emails. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.